Hello, listeners and viewers. Welcome to the first ever episode of The Hive, a podcast that promises to get you buzzing about challenging business stories and the future of humans in an artificial intelligence-obsessed world. I'm your host, PJ Sherman, founder and director of Black Bee, a digital marketing agency that helps you make more of what you want. Joining me today is Joe Emery, founder of Joe Emery Writes, that offers copywriting, content writing, and bid writing services. And in his own words, Joe's services include anywhere a business needs words. He's worked with the likes of Virgin Media, O2, the NHS, and West Ham United. So we're an illustrious company. Welcome, Joe. <laughs> Of course, glad to have you on the podcast, and thanks for uh, volunteering yourself as the um, first, well, I don't want to say victim, but... <laughs> I'm the guinea pig, yeah. <laughs> Shortly a cracking one. <laughs> but what I want to do is just sort of get started on what you do as a service. You know, I don't want to turn this into sort of like a sales pitch for anyone, but I can imagine that a lot of my viewers um, and, and listeners don't know the difference between copywriting content writing and bid writing so yeah can you just sort of give us a an understanding of that yeah so most most writing jobs are thrown into the copywriting role into the copywriting kind of umbrella so yeah. you'd see a lot of jobs on linkedin advertising copywriting but there is a difference between copywriting content writing and bid writing so when i tell people i'm a copywriter they normally look at me blankly and think it's something to do with kind of copyrights or I copywriting so no one understands so now I kind of call myself a marketing writer um just so it's more self-explanatory really but so copywriting is copywriting is very action-led and it's designed to sell your product or service so Mm -hmm. it's shorter it could be when you're standing at the bus stop and you've got the poster next to you it could be when you're sitting on the train and you've got the placards above your head advertising the latest shampoo or whatever it may be or a new yep. holiday or it could be an online ad that you see um could be a offline ad as well um content writing is more longer form content so it's more press releases blogs thought leadership content and that's more of a subtle sell so it's about building trust, building rapport with your audience, yeah. um, educating them, entertaining them. So when you do put some copywriting under their nose, hopefully they'll be fully on board with all the content writing you've been doing. Um, yeah. And then finally, bid writing is it's companies trying to win contracts. So I'm working in healthcare bid writing at the moment, so it's healthcare providers bidding for work from councils mainly. So I have to write why they should give this help provider the contract ah right okay so the bid writing tends to be with public sector bodies when yeah. you're trying to win a yeah. contract okay. yeah and then the content writing is more that sort of educational piece storytelling yeah um, storytelling writing is this is why you need to buy it, buy it oh, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah yeah this is why you need it this is what you need to do to buy it click here yeah which do you prefer writing the most it depends really i mean i think storytelling is really my passion um, yeah. So I do like kind of the real life stories. I've done a lot of kind of charity stories. So yeah, I would say just by a smidge and probably the content writing. Yeah. Okay. And you mentioned the charity writing there. Um, I, I know that you've done something which we'll get onto a little bit later with the the hospice, which should be really should be really interesting. I, I suppose it feels not 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 charitable in the way to use a pun, but that you're doing some good for 
a company as well, you know, even though you're, you're providing services, but it's helping them do some, some more good in the world. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I love what I do. I'm really passionate about my job. It's my chosen career. I just love writing, but going to work, knowing you're helping people who really need it. So it could be kind of kids who have lost their mum or a dad really early to cancer. Yeah. It could be a child even living with cancer. Um, so it's, yeah, going to work knowing I'm helping someone really, really um, fuels my passion further. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff, that. What got you into writing then? Because I, I know you had a bit of a different background. Yeah. Yeah, so I was always good at it at school. You know, I was I was creative, um, good at art and English and English lit. Absolutely hopeless at maths and physics and biology and science and IT Same. and all that stuff. Yeah. So I was always creative. Um, I got, I, I left school. I didn't know what I was doing really. I just needed, a, I sort of had enough of education by then, sick yeah. form. So I just needed a job. So I got, got a job and I got stuck, stuck in something I really didn't like. I got stuck in finance, um, no creativity never use my brain just to say Monday tasks you know I had no interest in stocks and shares and trading and finance and accounts and all that so I wanted to do something creative um I wanted to write um I knew I could do it I just needed someone to give me the chance so I got an internal move when I was at um a company called M&G Investments got a turn yeah. internal move into marketing and I used that as a stepping stone to become a full-time writer fantastic so had you always been writing uh, as a kid or in through your teens? Uh, uh, yeah. Or was more the, the business writing? Um, no, yeah, at, at school I was always kind of writing stories and that. And um, then I set up some social media platforms and got some followers. I set up a website. Um, I started blogging and that. So, you know, I was I realised I was good at it. I could get people's attention through this, yeah. through this social media content. So... I knew I had the skills there, yeah, and it's just a matter of kind of someone giving me the chance to do it on a professional basis, really, and get paid for it. Yeah, and it was it was good that M and G did that for you because there aren't yeah. many companies that do no, that. No, not at all. No, they talk about internal mobility, but don't practice it. Yeah, no, yeah, it rarely happens. Yeah, did that sort of lead you to the um for ba for Bond fans only then? Because I, I've noticed that on your LinkedIn. Yeah, so that's um. Well, I, I use that to raise money for a children's hospice, Richard House Children's Hospice in East London. Um, so I, I, it's a James Bond fan club. I've got a website. I've got some social media channels, and I interview people from the franchise to raise money for the for the um, for the children's hospice. So yeah, charity fundraising is something like I really love doing. It gives me a real sense of fulfilment knowing that I'm doing something good. I'm helping people who need it a lot more than we have, you know. No kids should have to live with cancer. No. Um, so it's a horrible thing. So we've just got to do all we can to help help these kids. Um, and I can I can do what I enjoy as well. So I can I can be creative and write content and interview these these people from the series from the franchise as well as raising money for the hospice. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, I'd love to help you with some of that stuff at some point. If so, if you need an extra pair of hands, just oh yeah, that yeah, I'm always up. Always after helpers who can help me with the site and the sign me up. So, this sort of next part, I really want to look at a sort of challenging 
story in 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 your professional life how that started you know your sort of emotions at the time and how you sort of overcame that um and the sort of advice you'd give moving forward so can you take us through one of those experiences joe um yeah i think the things bring to mind is kind of becoming a writer in the first place because especially now it's such a candidate flooded market compared to yeah 25 years ago yeah someone giving me you know i needed someone to give me the chance to do to become a writer become a professional writer so that was the first challenge and luckily they did um and then i was able to kind of use that to propel my career um so i think that was like the first challenge becoming a writer in the first place because i was like pigeonholed you could only do that and even now i get it as a writer it's kind of my skills are transferable where people kind of must you know must have experience if you apply for a job with british airways must have yeah. um experience working for a flight company i mean uh, that that's nonsense a good writer and a good marketer can transfer their skills across and i certainly can but you know i, st I still get pigeonholed now even as a writer um and i think the the second challenge something like i'm really proud of when i joined um st francis hospice they're they're based in essex um i transformed their tone of voice their tone of voice wasn't quite right it was it was stuffy it was cold it was formal it was old-fashioned and i don't know if you've had any experiences with hospices if you've had a line uh -huh. in them but yeah so the, the misconception about hospices is that they're horrible miserable places that are you know gray no life no laughter and people just sitting around waiting to die which isn't true at all yeah. they're actually very vibrant happy loving places they're very colorful you know they've got beautiful gardens beautiful yeah. rooms um so that's the misconception um and people actually not a lot of people know that um people actually go into hospices and come out again people just think it's like the end it's a death sentence people yeah. go in there for respite care treatment and come out again people go in there for social activities if they're a bit lonely you know they go in there's there's always life happening in a hospice but that's a misconception but their tone of voice really fueled the misconception so i changed it i okay. made it lighter i made it you know more personable made it more conversationable um, made it less formal um so that that helped the hospice increase its fundraising volunteering um and yeah i'll help get money into the hospice. i'm very proud about that oh great so it was that story turn aspect then where yeah like you said it was that transformation of the tone of voice to go from i suppose quite doomsday because well uh, let's face it personally i've had an uncle who was in hospice care um he, he was terminal um and uh, yeah you do have that in your mind because if you've never been to a place like that before you think oh, it's a bit like going to hospital yeah it's yeah. it's not a nice environment to be in usually but i was shocked because it was it was in this beautiful i think edwardian house in winchester yeah um the nurses were like friends they were just so lovely and warm and constantly keeping everybody engaged and you know there was lots of things going on um and and, and you walk through the back the back doors and like you mentioned the beautiful gardens you know everything was still landscaped and you had a lovely view um in the distance you know and and all the flowers were well maintained and it was yeah, it's, it was it was quite peaceful, and even though my uncle was um, 
you know, probably a month from from the end. It was you didn't dwell on that. It yeah. was more, you know, enjoying enjoying the moment. Um, so they yeah, that, places, yeah, they really are, and that's why we've got to support them because they need to raise about eight, nine, ten million pounds a year just to keep running, and they receive about eighteen percent funding from the government. So we need to find all the rest through funding. And people, that's another myth as well, that they think the government pays for hospices. They don't. They need to find kind of about 85% of their funding. Wow. That's why I do it. Yeah, that's why I do the interviews with the bond stars and try and raise money for them. Gosh, yeah, I didn't know that. Well, hopefully this will give um, a bit more of a platform as well. Yeah, that would be good. Let, yeah. Just let me know if you need any help. <laughs> well, I don't want to jump into things like that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So the next part is I I have a bit of a, um, I don't want to say infatuation, but a, 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 an interest in artificial intelligence. Normally, I'm the sort of person that tends to be, I can't remember what the actual technical term is, um, but the one that sort of gives it a few years before starts to use it. Um, but with AI, because I was a big sci-fi fan growing up, um, I, I was like, I've got to be an early adopter. I've got, to, I've got to use this and see what it's about. And over the last year, I've, I've really got close and personal with ChatGPT and a few of the other softwares. Um, so this next part is really focusing on, you know, your industry there, Joe, um, and how AI can improve it, um, but also what you think the negatives are and what we should really be mindful of. So, I mean, let's get your thoughts on AI first. Because um, I see a lot of writers on one side of the camp, but I, yeah. <laughs> I want to I talk to you about this. Well, a writer using AI would be a bit like a, a black cab driver using Uber, I think. Um, so the other day I had my first dip into chat GTP. So I wrote, um, I think it was an email to someone on LinkedIn, seeing if they'd yeah. be open to chatting about how I could help them as a writer. And because I was with Premium, it offered, would you like to uh, chat GTP to improve your text? So I thought, okay, the offer's there. Um, don't need to pay any extra for it. So I thought I'd give give it a go. Um, and it completely sucked the life out of what I said. Um, it filled it with a cliche. It said something about ensuring all our ducks are in a row. Oh, I don't know. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't use cliches like that. Um and it, yeah, it just sucked the life out of it and made it really robotic. And I was, then I become about interested in it. I thought that might be a, just a one-off. So I wrote a few things and I asked ChatGTP AI to improve it. And again, it just sucked the life out of it and made it really robotic. So, um, yeah, was I don't think. On LinkedIn, was that on LinkedIn's own version or what? Yeah, Did you go premium. No, and then I went over to another one. Yeah. And I, I tried it, but, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, at the moment, it's not replacing the creativity and it's making things extremely robotic, I think. Yeah, um, that that's definitely sort of the feedback I'm getting from people. Um, but part of what I do, and, you know, I don't want this to turn into a big plug, but uh, <laughs> it is the input equals the output. And, and I've created a, a free guide on how you can switch things up with with chat gpt and some of the other ais because how it functions is it, it's on user input so you know it, it talks like other people 
uh, a write-in when they put things in, uh, as well as sourcing things from the web. Um, so you do get those annoying cliches like ducks in a row, which yeah, do you, yeah. do you really want to be promoting shooting? Yeah, <laughs> no. And when anyone yeah. ever said something like that in the office, you just roll your eyes, don't you? If they say yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, bang your head on the table. And I, I, I'm now at a point where I, I can tell if somebody's written with ChatGPT or not. Yeah. Um, because of those cliches. Yeah, you know it'll be like um, uh, there, there are just these phrases, and I can't think of them off the top of my head. But they'll be used, and I'll go, "Oh no, you've just written that off ChatGPT, and it sounds yeah. awful." Um, yeah, so I totally get it. But I think, and you know, please, please give me your ideas and, and thoughts. But I, I'm a writer as well, um, and I use it more as sort of a sounding board, sense checking. So, you know, I will put in a lot of text and I will say, you know, you're an expert editor, be critical, you know, f the form content or I'll bounce ideas off it. Um, so, I mean, in terms of sort of ideation, sense checking, I think it's great, but I'm definitely on, on your side there as a writer and you shouldn't be using it to create all of your content, no matter what all of the experts say on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not too worried about the moment. I know it's people will be using it, but it, um, I'm, it's not it's not creating com it's not creating copy as well as I can because I've I've seen that kind of firsthand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think are sort of the positives then of AI for the industry? There, I think it, you know if you're if you're a small business owner and you can't pay a copywriter, if you haven't got the the funds, it helps them. Yeah. Um, can I produce better content? Yes, I'm confident of that. But, you know, not not everyone can afford a copywriter if people are just starting up on their own. So, yeah, it can create posts for you. So I think those are the positives. Okay, yeah. And what would you say is probably your biggest concern with AI at the moment moving forward? Um, taking my job. Um, <laughs> but when I was a kid... In the 1980s, everybody was saying that robots are going to take our jobs and there won't be carpenters, there won't be window cleaners. And here here we all are, apart from kind of self-checkout services where robots have replaced a few people, um, mm. most of us are still in jobs and haven't been replaced by robots. Yeah, exactly. And there's still need people supervise the robots. Yes, well, sure. Yeah. I mean, look at that Tesla one that went crazy and attacked that employee. Did you did you see yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Um, it's like Skynet. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, I think because we had all those films in the 80s and 90s, didn't we? Mm -hmm. Like Short Circuit, um, oh, Robocop, uh, Circo in Rocky IV. Um, I think that probably said, made everyone decide that we're all doomed and robots are going to take every job we've got. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still here. Yeah. <laughs> Still shouting on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so there you have it, the first ever episode of The Hive. Um, I hope you find it found it fascinating and inspiring. Um, if you did, please do subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and hit that subscribe button on YouTube if you're watching. Um, and thanks again for being our first ever guinea pig, Joe, and <laughs> for joining us. <laughs> you're welcome. Any final thoughts before we go? 
Um, yeah, no, thanks for having me. I hope um, at least one person found me interesting to listen to. Um, but yeah, just a shameless plug for myself, really. If anyone needs writing services, um, please get in touch and then we can have a chat about how I can help you sell sell your product and service more. Perfect. Well, what I'll do then, Joe, is I'll put a link in um, on the LinkedIn, on the podcast, on the YouTube. So if you're watching, listening, reading, it's all down below for you. Thanks, PJ. Yeah, thanks again for joining me, Joe. And um, see you on the next episode, everyone. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. Bye.